For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. into the dead black air that spooky time is finally here. Carter Doge and Jordan too must brace themselves and not get spooked by horror films both new and older in the evil that is Chunktober. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and I'm actually doing a quote this week because we're... Was she a great big hunk person? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Doge. Also known as Dr. Hunk. Dr. Hunk. Dr. Hunk. Dr. Hunk. Dr. Hunk. Dr. Hunk. Dr. Just cut me off. Dr. Hunk. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Carter. Hunk. And I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old hunk for dinner. Bye. <laughs> the end. Thanks the for watching end. my movie. <laughs> Listen, we've watching my. We've movie. had a lot of fun today, but eating people Tell is me. <laughs> not something that we encourage. What we do encourage, though, is telling me why we're all the hunk. Ooh. Well, we are recording this episode early. Um, due to the nature of uh, the temporal plane upon which we live, time itself. And we're calling our shot, dear listeners, because by the time that this episode will reach your ear holes, guaranteed, we will, all of us here at the podcast, will have exercised our greatest responsibility as Mm. citizens. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. will have voted in... The presidential election of the year of our Lord, 2020. (laughs) We will have have successfully mobilized that civic booty to do that civic duty. You Mm -hmm. know this. Mm -hmm. You do know this. And you should do it too. Yeah. There's nothing like immediately aging an episode by including, (laughs) within the first minutes, a call to action, which can only be done right now. But... It's that important. If you're listening in the future and you don't like the way the election turned out, just know that either we tried to stop it or we tried to, we helped it happen that way. So either I guess what we're saying, sorry, or you're welcome. (laughs) Depending on sort of your general vibe. Now, speaking of general vibes, this is a spooky vibe still, ain't it? Um, we are wrapping up this week. I can't believe it's already over my gosh, our chunk over series, um, with, uh, I want to, I want to call it Carter's second contribution to the series. Um, just because I feel like he deserves that those props simply because I never watched it until he showed it to me. So I owe him my love for Mm. this particular flick. Which once As again, well. you're welcome, and I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> Very good. Uh, the movie that we're closing out this series with is, of course, The, the Silence, Silence of, of the, the Lambs. Lambs. 
You know, there seems like there's a discrepancy on whether there's a V at the beginning. There's Netflix, a v for sure. Netflix there is a does v. not include V. Uh, really? really? Netflix is wrong. IMDb says V. Oh, I know this. I know this. I know this. This now, we know. The other thing I know is I can't legally, physically, or medically talk about <laughs> a movie until I get a juicy, flowing, perfectly cooked synopsis. Do it. From my good friend, yours and mine, Dozois. This week's synopsis is written by Robert Lynch. <laughs> his his uh, IMDb username includes his email address, which is <gasps> drlynch at emailprovider.com. <laughs> Dr. Lynch. Dr. Lynch. A psychopath known as Buffalo Bill, Ted Levine, is kidnapping and murdering young women across the Midwest. Believing it takes one to know one, the FBI sends trainee Clarice Starling, Jodie Foster, to interview a demented prisoner who may provide psychological insight and clues to the killer's actions. The prisoner is psychiatrist Dr. Hannibal Lecter, Sir Anthony Hopkins, a brilliant, murderous cannibal who will only help Starling if she feeds his morbid curiosity with details of her own complicated life. This twisted relationship forces Starling to not only confront her psychological demons, but leads her face-to-face -face with a demented, heinous killer, an incarnation of evil so powerful that she may not have the courage or strength to stop him. We did mm. it. We found the best synopsis on an incarnation the of evil database. so powerful <laughs> that i can stop reading them now that is <laughs> i can finally rest genuinely <laughs> the best one we've ever read <laughs> i can finally rest my work is finished and yeah I just Look, fade away doge is turning into dust on the horizon. <laughs> he's gone he's faded he is but dust and time uh <laughs> Genuinely, now I'm back. Daddy's got to get to work. Daddy's got to get to work. Flex that's that's, that's that funny. Cast. That's the tagline for this movie. That's funny. We <laughs> just we just talked a lot about Fast and Furious before we started <laughs> recording. So I, the energy entering into this very special episode is interesting. Yeah, nothing um, new. Genuinely, very good synopsis. Um, I'm actually well done, Dr. Lynch. Doctor, 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 Dr. Lynch. Doctor, Dr. Lynch. Dr. Lynch. Dr. Lynch. Okay, I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before. I'm going to super dump right now. Whoa! And let me tell you why. <laughs> because it was really hard to come up with one, and I want to get it out of the way so that I can say I did it. Sure. Um, and my super dump is, I don't think the FBI is sending a lot of trainees to handle high-profile serial killer cases. Yeah, neither does the FBI at the time. <laughs> Seems they, Yeah, they consulted with the FBI, and the FBI was like, that's the one thing that we don't we don't want to take claim for. We wouldn't yeah. do something like that. Seems a little goofy to be like, I know you're still not done, but do you want to take on maybe the biggest case that we're we've got going right now? Um, so yeah. That's my super dump scathing. It's out there. It's out there. Scathing yeah. and sizzling. Wow. So negative um, already. So this movie, <clears throat> particularly Clarice. The perspective that we get, and I'm saying this now because we literally start with Clarice alone in foggy woods running her training, and I sort of feel like the feeling that we get of seeing Jodie Foster, Clarice, alone and I would say pretty vulnerable in a foggy forest is basically the uh, <laughs> the pedal tone of this entire yeah. movie. It's the undertone that we carry with us the whole time. It's very much intentional, right? And the way that we shoot Jodie Foster, like usually from above, and we surround her with tall actors and actresses so that Jodie Foster always feels like a starling, like yeah. this tiny little fragile thing, uh, consistently having to prove herself, even though, yeah. I mean, she obviously shouldn't have to. She's more than qualified. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. I think that's a brilliant choice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And one of many teases, right? This movie... Part of the terror of this movie is making you feel like, especially with the first watch, that there's always something about to happen. Yeah. Uh, and there's, yeah. there's several layers to that. You know, it's certain characters st staying in your head the entire time, but for sure, yeah, there's, there's plenty of moments when she's searching different houses and, and that kind of stuff that you're just like, okay, cool. Well, like you're just waiting for, you know, that <laughs> spooky trope of something yeah. jumping out or 
which we really don't ever get um, until yeah. maybe the very end. But right. That's true. And I, it, you know, it's interesting. I found myself really for the first time this watch thinking about the time in which this movie was made and wondering, like, it doesn't feel like in 2020 watching it that bold of a step to have a scene where a woman tells her commanding officer, like, Hey, you belittled me in front of everybody. Like you teach other people how to treat me because they're looking yeah. to you for an example. Like that doesn't seem like a bold, crazy scene in 2020, but I'm wondering if in 91, when this came out, if that was like a big, big thing. I mean, it might've been, I, I don't know. Yeah. Contextually. I mean, I was, I'm three years old at the time. And I remember when I saw it in theaters. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? More like you saw it in theaters. I know. I, I mean, in, maybe in this specific setting, because, you know, in in the detective business right. and cop movies, especially which had a golden age around this, you know, 1990, yeah. the 90s and the 80s. Um, yeah, I would think this goes a little bit against the grain. Well, because I don't we, think we've talked plenty of times outside but, of a movie. You don't talk to a commanding officer like that most times. Yeah, like it, it for was sure. very, you know. Yeah, I dig it. And I see, and, and we, we see her strength pretty early, which is really important for her character. Yeah. yeah. I totally um, agree. Hey, and I just realized she's supposed to feel capable. I did this with the other movies and uh, I didn't do this with this one. Carter, since we're calling this your, your uh, contribution, why'd you pick this? I didn't even think to ask that. For Chunktober? Yeah. I think it's interesting. I wanted to put it at the end mainly because, you know, with the history of our podcast, I've talked about for a long time how this is our, uh, my favorite movie of all time. I feel like, uh, especially with the art from the great uh, Ty Ellis, who, if you go follow him on Instagram, did art for all of us. Doge is Indiana Jones. Uh, Jordan is Samwise Gamgee. And I am Hannibal Lecter in that. And so it's it's obvious that I wanted it here. I wanted it in Chunktober. Um, because it's funny, this, there is a little bit of argument around whether or not this is a horror movie, which I think is fun and could be a, an interesting conversation for us. Uh, my yeah. wife, Chelsea, who actually watched it with me guys for the first time, <gasps> oh, awesome. no way! um, she would argue that yes, this is a horror movie. I, I really did feel bad. I think, I think she doesn't regret watching it because it did mean a lot to me. And she would argue like she gets it right. She's like, yeah, you are right. This is a great movie, but she probably got two hours of sleep the following <laughs> that the night yeah. after. So that was a big bummer, but it's here because it has, you know, what I believe to be the greatest villain in cinematic history. And if there's anything to associate with the gruesome, that is Halloween, it's tough to beat somebody who eats people's faces. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've said for a long time, I feel like this movie is perfect <laughs> though. I will, I do have a super dump and I'm glad it came to Ooh. me. The, the clouds parted and, and we'll get there. We're not there yet, but I do have a pretty clear, uh, feels like hard to argue against super dump in the movie, sure. but I think it just has, you know, it wins the five Oscars, the, the five main Oscars, uh, of, uh, best actor, best actress, best picture, best director, best screenplay. And it was adapted in this case, which I've wow. ordered that book. It's in the mail. I've never read science of the lamb. So I'm excited to do that. Is that the name of the book as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. It's technically Silence of the Lambs is technically the sequel. The, the book that was written first was Hannibal. Um, uh, okay. But yeah, I, I really do feel like there's so much, there is no bathroom break for this movie to me. No. Um, and that's usually a sign of something that's pretty engrossing. And it's, it's different because there are movies that are a one-off that we've discussed before that are just tough. You know, you're, you're like Schindler's lists of the world or something that's just really heavy. Yeah. Um, and this is that, but for some reason has a high level of rewatchability for me. I've probably seen this now more than 20 times. Wow. Um, I think this was my second or third time, maybe. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely not a back to back. Yeah. I'm Jordan not was talking to watch about how we right kind now. of messed with his traditions. Him and Kelly have had a tradition over the last, I guess, ever since I introduced it to you. Yeah. Um, so it would have been five or watching six years it on now. Halloween together. But yeah, I just love it. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I think what you're talking about with that rewatchability, it, this is a movie that I don't even want to say it gets better every time I watched it. It just stays just as good as the first time. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it achieves a lot in a fairly, um, un, it's not, it's not a particularly flashy movie. I don't right. think there, there's, 
you know, two or three moments where things get, um, what I would call like budget heavy, like it, like big, but for the most part, this is a, a pretty small movie that does so much with the space that it has taken. Well, and I think um, that's the, the, to me, that's the secret of the rewatchability is that the space that this lives in is a tension space rather than a surprise space, surprise yeah. space. You know what I mean? Because like, if we, if we take a, uh, you know, just a generic, uh, this would be like a Walmart brand horror movie. So the Dr. Thunder of horror movies, if we just take a <laughs> generic archetypical horror movie, <clears throat> you've got things that are jumping out and scaring you and surprising you. And when you watch it again, you go, okay, she's going to open this door and then there's going to be a, a ghoul that pops out and freaks her out. And yeah. I know to be ready for this surprise. But since this, uh, since Silence of the Lambs primarily deals with tension and we're escalating the tension all throughout the movie and it's a, this slowly like, slowly starting the pot to boil uh that isn't deflated you know the next time you watch it that stuff all still works you don't it's not like you're trying to be ready for the ghoul to pop out yeah and even beyond even beyond like a scare like even the reveals are more about the path there than exactly the reveal itself the real the real reveal was the friends we made along the way that's I've right said that before yeah <laughs> i agree with that but like you even look at something like our um our face, our face on face scene, like the face mask scene. I know what's coming, but they, Jonathan Dim has done such an incredible job of building tension. That seems my super pump, by the way. Oh, really? Okay, you yeah. talk about it then. Yeah, Hannibal's escape uh, is my, to me, the best part of this movie. Like, no questions asked. It reminds me, it gives me a similar feeling, and I, I, I it's a weird comparison. Do you guys remember watching? Rogue One for the first time. Did y'all see it in theaters? Mm-hmm. I did. Uh huh. That at the end when you're like, the movie's over. Oh man, that was good. I'm glad that they got the Death Star plans. And then it's <laughs> then it's Darth the Darth Vader sequence at the end yep. of that. Oh, that's good. For me, I was I was like Chris and Get Out, grip like scratching the arms of my chairs, hyperventilating, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's like totally unexpected. Feels like it doesn't really fit the rest of the movie in a sure. good way. Like I didn't know that this was capable of going there. That's how I feel about the the Hannibal escape. There's been nothing in the frame of the movie so far before we get to that that indicates that this is a movie capable of and interested in doing that kind of escape sequence. You know what I mean? Right. Like it feels right. so yeah. tonally different from the rest of the movie, but it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. The just listening to the music with the uh, Hopkins asked, you know, they were going to do a more traditional like prisoner guard, which would have been like a bright orange for that scene, you know, when he actually escapes. Yeah. Um, but Hopkins really fought for it being white because he so thought the contrast the of that with the blood that's good uh, yeah. all over him. And obviously it, it feels like almost every move worked in this movie. It works. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it could be, it could be that I think Sounds of the Lambs, it, it's nothing new for me to say that it's a really good movie, like in terms sure. of just people that critique movies. Um, it might be that people are too afraid to say it, or I've, I've just never heard anybody say it, but you know, we, we hear all about Lecter. They do a really good job of saying like, hey, by the way, this guy's a bad dude. And we get allusions to it and we choose not to show it up until this point. Just like you said, Doge, like him making Mig swallow his own tongue, like these kind of things that Ugh. just seem really out of the realm of possibility of a human dude. being to do. Uh, and then to have this payoff that could have easily been pretty campy, right? There is a moment when he gets, we, we see the scene of him like, quote unquote, eating the face of one of these. Yeah guards and that seems kind of ridiculous yeah but i think it's supposed to be the worst scene like the worst looking scene in the whole movie is him like like a dog right. on his face yeah but outside of that even that too though we show the angles that our director chooses mm -hmm. uh with the cinematography of we don't really see him beating this guy over and over that again. That seems great. We see the slow his beat. reaction to it yeah and Oof. the breathing the breathing yeah. that he's doing with every <sighs> well, and then you yeah. have you have the mask, and you have him chained up, and you have face, the, the mask face in. mask, the yeah. literal. Well, face yeah, mask. the face mask, and then the hockey looking mask, and then um, I forgot how good you didn't hear my good joke. I said, "Are you referring to Jim Carrey's The Mask?" Yes, That's the one. And I did somebody stop me. It was and important <laughs> enough to stop what you were saying to I acknowledge I said, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Okay, um, and I think I forgot how good the pin setup is. Mm -hmm. yes. him in his cell looking at the pen, My, the doctor reaching for the pen, realizing it's not there, and then him spitting out that clip. 
Yeah, yeah. my dad so saw good. it in theaters, and he said that was the most terrifying moment for him. Mm. Was seeing the pin come out of Hannibal's mouth, <laughs> and he said like there was this collective like breath in in the entire audience, realizing like, he was planning oh, to he's, break out. He's going to do things. He's gone. Right now. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> That's because so good. in the you know we talk about one of my favorite things in a movie is when you forget where you are. Right, the screen just yeah. becomes your entire view. It's that really that's in, that interesting sensation of uh, I'm not in a living room anymore. I'm not in a movie theater anymore. There is no border to this image. Like I'm yeah. in it. Yeah. Um. And it feels like it, like Hannibal Anthony Hopkins Hannibal Lecter goes even deeper than that. Like he is so terrifying and mm-hmm. so completely in control from the moment we see him. He's watching the camera come to his cell. Right. Like. It's like he knew Clarice was on her way. And so to see all that control and then to see him now be literally like in control mm. more than just with his mind um, is terrifying, terrifying. And it's, it's still a payoff there. Luckily there wasn't too much in this movie that just dates it too bad. And even so it, at some point, I guess it can be counted as more of like a period, like a early 90s. I mean, it doesn't, it's not enough to so, make it take you out of the story. Something I noticed about this, and I don't know, so I have the, I have a Blu-ray edition of this movie, and I watched it on Netflix last night, just because it was there. Um, I don't remember if it was bad and then has been cleaned up in newer versions, but for a movie from 1991, this might have the clearest, crispest audio. Because my biggest complaint about a lot of <clears throat> movies made in the mid eighties to the mid nineties is dialogue is so hard to decipher because of whatever Mm. was happening mixing wise during that time, whatever was like industry standard dialogue was incredibly difficult to understand. And this movie is so crisp and clean. I don't know if it's been touched up. I bet Netflix is streaming the 4k master. Typically for 4k master, they'll go in and, and tweak the audio levels too. That could be it. I just remember watching it and being in comparison to like something like the fugitive where I feel like I have to like kind of lean in and listen really sure, hard when yeah. people are talking. That's a good point. Yeah. This, this one was really clear. Well, and um, it's probably been re EQ'd for like home speakers now at this point, yeah. you know, because That's like I think when they released it on video on demand for the first time, uh, I guess that would have been on tape probably. Yeah. Like those little TV speakers coming out of TVs, pretty much exactly like a, a mountaintop EQ. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I think it would be good for us to just go ahead and talk about Sir Anthony Hopkins. The hop. But before we do that, one thing I want to say, because it plays into this, I don't know that I've ever seen a movie with so many shots where faces fill up 80% of our script. Like, we get so many mm-hmm. shots in this movie of just all face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's so clearly intentional and it's so clearly meant, I think to be unnerving. Um, but one of the first shots we get of Dr. Lecter is his entire face filling the screen and those eyes, man, are unsettling. There's something spiritual about his acting in this. Like yeah, the fact that he's really not even having to move and he hasn't had to say much, right? Yeah. Hannibal Lecter has a ton of allure and a lot of hype because he's existed now uh, in the movie world for almost three decades, okay? But from what I've read and what I've heard from those that saw it for the first time in theaters or just the first time in general, like before you hear about who Hannibal Lecter is, he had you already. He didn't say anything yet. Right. Yeah. Like because there's just something about the way he carries himself. himself. It feels like he's been there waiting for a very long time. Like he feels right. like he has already yeah. lived in and existed in this world. Yeah. The decision by Jonathan Dem to have anytime someone is talking to Clarice, we're supposed to feel like Clarice, I think, right. in this movie. Yeah. But anytime someone's talking to her, they look directly at the camera. Uh, and then when she's ever addressing someone else, she's never looking right at the camera. So we're supposed to feel like essentially her role. We're playing her role. And yeah, that makes it the most unsettling with, with Lecter. Um, the first scene that they have together is my super pump. I'm going to call it the, the meat cute of this movie. <laughs> um, M-E-A-T. When this relation, when this, yeah, when the relationship really starts, um, this movie actually released on Valentine's day in 1991. No way. That's so good. Um, but, uh, Valentine's I, I, there's so much going on here and it's, this is one of those, uh, movies that feels like, you know, we've been given, an hour and 58 minutes and it could be a semester's worth of 
curriculum, yeah. you know, on, on just movies in general yeah. and what this movie did right. But I really think the dynamic between our protagonist and our antagonist, well, one of them really, right? Like it, it's tough for me. I, you're going to find me pausing a lot and not really knowing what to say, but that's just because I, it's just a beautiful thing to me. So I, I was trying to think of a good metaphor as to what this movie means to me comparatively to other movies that have existed. Are y'all familiar with the Sagrada Familia? In Barcelona, it's that it's that sanctuary done by Antoni Gaudi. It's the one that looks like wax almost. I'll have to show you guys a picture. Um, but uh, the Sagrada Familia is what the Silence of the Lambs is to me uh, in uh, in all of movies. Let me give you guys a picture. Mm, found it. Y'all found it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. What's interesting about this cathedral? is that Gaudi, like it was designed, it's been being built for 135 years, okay? It was supposed to be completed in 2026. I think that's been moved back because of the pandemic, but it's a consistent build because it's the slow drip to make our, our peaks of our steeples in this. And so the reason I compare to this, and I would love for the listener to look this up, uh, to kind of join in this metaphor at some point, but like that's what Science of the Lambs is to me is that while there are other things that look like this, right? We're going to have horror movies. We're going to have more thrillers. We're going to have more detective movies. We've got somebody where we're not sure if we're rooting for the bad guy or not, and it feels weird. We're going to have those, and they're going to be done well, right? There's other cathedrals that exist. There's some that have existed before this, before the Sagrada Familia. There's been movies that existed before Silence of the Lambs, but it stands alone. I, I can't think of another movie that just completely stands alone to me. It's also shouldn't be touched. We, we do get sequels, right? We get Hannibal, we get Red Dragon. But that's because this movie saved a production company. They were mm. absolutely tanking. And this movie came out, it cost $19 million and made almost $300 million worldwide wow. in 1991 for a detective thriller? Unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's just like what it is to me, is that it, it completely stands out. There's other things that look like it, but there will never be... There will never be another Silence of the Lambs. And I yeah. think that's what makes it unique because there's so many pieces good. within this movie that get used again. Um, but specifically with, you know, the dynamic between the good guy and the bad guy. Yeah. There are arguments that no one's really going to say are super egregious that there was possibly like at times almost a like a not necessarily romantic relationship, even though some people have said that, you know, that there's something that they admire in each other. Um, yeah. I definitely have, see the admiration for sure. Yeah. In yeah. To have, yeah. To have Clarice thrown into this and, you know, you talk about the performances. I think they both deserved it, but Jodie Foster just looking kind of balancing c courage and fear. I, she's yeah. amazing in this. Just, I feel like she's had like so many shortness of breath, like flaring of nostrils, her eyes getting bigger but she's choosing still to engage and even combat him sometimes. I, I think she understands she's not in control, um, but that doesn't mean she's not going to try and play the game. Sure. And a, a lot of people don't try that with him. The, the more I have watched this movie, obviously the hop is outstanding. Hannibal is unbelievable. But the more I have watched this movie, the more the standout performance to me becomes Jodie Foster. Um. And I think you're right. It's in her eyes and her, I mean, she's, it, it's not that she's doing a lot, but that's why it's so good. Like, I feel like, I feel like she's really, really, really understated here. Um, and is just, I mean, there, there are moments, there are elements that suffer because it's 1991 and it's 30 years later and we're watching a movie, but ultimately like Jodie Foster's performance in this movie is really engaging. Oh yeah. Um, but I fully believe that she's not half as good if she doesn't have somebody like Anthony Hopkins to bounce off of. Um, mm. So like this movie yeah. is, I don't even want to say greater than the sum of its parts, but it just used the exact right parts. Um, yeah. And I think that's I, pretty rare. Yeah. Well, well, I think you, you, I mean, I know literally you don't have the same movie without one of them. Mm -hmm. I think Hopkins is the more pivotal piece. Sure. You know, there were, there were talks of like, Michelle Pfeiffer, like anybody that was a big deal in the late 80s, early 90s was asked to be this role. And it just kind of lucked out to Jodie Foster. Honestly, you know, Gene Hackman owned the rights to this story. Hmm. And wow. it was it was with the intention that he wanted to play Lecter. Um, but then he had decided to, to move on from that uh, and then sell the rights again. But Hopkins 
in an interview had said that if this had not gone well, that he was just going to go back to the stage. Because Anthony Hopkins in 1991, before Sansa Lambs comes out, he's not a big deal yet. He really hasn't done anything huge. Hmm. You could watch him and be like, man, he's good at what he does, but he's just not getting the roles that are memorable. Yeah. And so he's like, if this doesn't, if this doesn't do it, then I'm done. And then th- he's immediately A-listed after this. Absolutely. Because of the performance. Deservedly so. Um, yeah. That's to the point that makes you think there was no beginning, you know, that, right. that he had always been. Much like Lecter, he's been there forever, but he was yeah. not. Yeah. I was going to say, much like Dame Judi Dench, oh, he's always yes. had a career. Also but that, yes. Yeah. It kind of feels like Bruce Willis in Die Hard, right? He's like, <laughs> he's doing a comedy show and he does an action movie in a, in a, in a skyscraper. And now he's the guy like he is right. It. right. <laughs> well, and you know, you talked about, and I agree with you, by the way, I don't think this movie should ever be remade. I think this is one like the star Wars or star Wars original trilogy where it's like, just don't star touch Wars. it. Star Wars. Just don't touch it. You know, don't touch it. We don't need that. Um, if it were to be made today, uh, Jack Crawford would be Dermot Mulroney. I have no other cast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's as, good. As he was talking, his mannerisms and even a little bit the way wow, he looks sometimes, Jack Crawford, Scott Glenn would be cast today as Dermot Mulroney. Um, I just, I felt I think they'd probably, very compelled. They'd probably fill it out with the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> I think Millie Bobby Brown would be Clarice would be Hannibal Starling. Lecter. Oh, okay. And Finn Wolfhard probably would play Hannibal Lecter, I think. Yeah. Because we got to get those. Call. Those kids are so good. We got to get them in everything, guys. They're just about in everything. They really are good, though, actually. like I, I don't can see a Shursa Ronan, modern day Clarice. Okay. I think she could do well. Paul Dano as Hannibal. Let's just. Ooh. Da- Paul Danable? Paul Danable. Oh, we did it. Danable's yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys? Right. Yes. Guys? Um, I have a question. <laughs> I have an for, answer. For Dr. Dr. Wonders. Um, are we about to get taken against our will to a very special middle part of our show? Uh-huh, we are. Yeah, we're going to pick up a couch and get shoved into a van. Okay, once you're done cutting the skin off my back, I do have something I want to talk about. But we could do that. Is that where that phrase comes part of this from? Episode. Yeah, it's no skin no off, skin my, off back. my back. In the shape no of a diamond for a, a skin Oof. suit. So yeah, let's let's help this uh, this this kind young man uh, struggling with a couch. Let's get it up into his van. Yeah, and, you oh, just no. pull up the, you get on the, in, in, on the other side. Couch announcements. Let's rub the Couch lotion on our announcement skin. Or else we'll Good. get... Good. This is a special size 14 shout announcements. <laughs> it's it's a great, perfect. Great big fat shout announcements. <laughs> Wait. Was she a great big fat shout announcements? <laughs> hey, would you do shout announcements to me? I'd do shout announcements to me. I'd do shout <laughs> announcements to me so hard. Welcome to Shout Announcements, the part of the show where we give shout-outs and make announcements. Look, Carter has an entire spiel that he wants to give you right now. <laughs> I actually did hear him rehearsing before we started recording. It's pretty good. It's I was. I take it good. seriously. I take it seriously because, hey, if you haven't been paying attention, we take this podcast seriously. Upwards of more than 200 episodes now. We've done, done Mini Monday for two oh, years. Mini- yeah, it's almost, almost two years. Almost like a hundred mini Monday episodes. We haven't stopped. There's a lot of things that you love in this world that have stopped, like businesses and things like that. We won't get too personal. Happiness and joy. It's over. Hope. It took a break. We didn't. So go give us a rating and review. I know for sure with the amount of downloads that we get, not everybody that has listened to this podcast, not even half of the people that have listened to this podcast have reviewed this podcast. If you don't want to spend the time writing something because you just did that after you bought something from Lands In on sale, <laughs> that was a weird pull. Yeah. Lands In was the first why thing I was, thought of. Is that still exists? Garden wow. Ridge. Did you buy something at Garden Ridge? You spent all your time <laughs> commenting on that. That's fine. Just click however many stars you'd like to click, however the spirit leads. Submit that, and there's a review. Mm-hmm. There's a rating, I mean. Mm-hmm. So please do that and and subscribe. Subscribing to the download does... Wonders for us. I mean, we continue to hover within the top 100 TV and film review podcasts in our in our dear nation. Um, but we know that we are capable of being much higher than that. And a lot of that has to do with those reviews. So please do so. Please do so. Another thing you can do uh, is continue to vote for uh, for our DCOM series, which definitely does have a name. Uh, and in case you thought like they don't have a name for it, it, it has one. 
for it's, sure. You guys, it is so good. The You're name. not even going to believe the name we have for it. But, but today is the you. last day to vote. Today, Tuesday, October 27th. Uh, we talked at the beginning of this episode about instantly dating an episode. I'm going to do one better. This call to action is only good for the rest of this calendar day. Voting closes Tuesday, October 27th at 5 p.m. So if you're listening to this right when it comes out, get your votes in. And now through the magic of editing, I'm going to leave a little space for future Doge to tell you what movie we're watching next week. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was awesome. Great job. <laughs> Not if voting closes on the day that this episode came out. That would be a pretty wild thing to be able to do. No, future, like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> when does voting close? Voting closes on the day this episode comes out. That's not possible. It's not possible. Look, have you found yourself listening to this podcast and saying, man, I wish there was more? Well, I have good news. There is. Through Patreon. <laughs> what if we just stopped at that? <laughs> good news, go right there back is. into the episode. <laughs> For $3 a month, you get access to bonus episodes, bonus p- parts of our website, all that. Great good stuff that gives you more of that sweet, sweet two chunks flavor that you desperately need. But if you're saying, guys, that still is not enough. Well, I have some good news coming down the pipe. Pike? Pipe. Slide. It's coming down the slide right at you. There is coming It's coming very down the soon. pine. It's coming down the pine. Very soon, there is going to be an opportunity for even more buy-in and even more engagement uh, not just from your end of the equation. We're talking uh, essentially a direct line of communication with us, your favorite hunks and chunks. So uh, keep your peepers peeled and your ears open for a little more information on that, most likely through social meds. And seen. And seen. Okay, good. So let's just all hit record and then do it just like that from the beginning. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I think it's time to talk about Buffalo Bill. Yep. Jame Gum. Jame Gum. Jame Gum. Isn't that the guy who did Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Jame Gum. Jame Gum. No, I think Jame Gum (laughs) is the guy that hosts uh, the the fashion show, Model. (laughs) Huh? Oh, Project Runway? Project Runway, yeah. Yeah. The fashion show model. The fashion fashion show model. Jame Gum. Jame Gum presents Project Runway. (laughs) Fierce, fabulous, fierce. Jam- She's a great big fabulous person. James Gunn presents. <laughs> James Gunn James presents, presents Guardians of the Galaxy two. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way you just said <laughs> Galaxy A was perfect. I know exactly what that guy looks like, right? And B, it was exactly the chicken noodle voice. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Chicken noodle. Which is great. And That's also funny to so only relevant, me. <laughs> so relevant to this episode. But James Gum, Buffalo Bill, our first real introduction to him is the parking lot of a dark apartment complex. The which darking is, lot. Speaking as somebody who lives in an apartment complex that is dark when the sun goes down because that's how light and outside works. And you have a cat in your window. And I have a cat in my window. And uh, sometimes Callie just sits up in the perch in the window as well. It is pretty grounded and spooky. TBH. Uh, I don't like that scene. It freaks me out a lot. And this is yeah. where this is where my argument for how this movie certainly tiptoes into horror 
this is where I would plant that first flag, which is yeah. this is scary. Like this is a very scary moment. And I know that thrillers contain scary moments. Um, so, I mean, we can have that conversation all day, but I would certainly say that this is the beginning of this movie dipping its toe into horror. But what separates this horror from like when we watch the Zodiac killer ruin that couple's picnic? So I'm going to get crazy here. And I think horror fans may or may not get on board with this, but I would say that there's a lot of movies that if you want to, you could talk into the horror category for long enough to have a discussion. You know what I mean? Like, I would say so. Yeah. I, I would say that this is more of a thriller than a horror movie, but I, we, I have no problem talking this into the horror category. I think what keeps me from wanting to say, yes, it's a horror movie is that this feels like a, a chink. Like if I let this into horror, I have to let Zodiac into horror. And if I let Zodiac into horror, I have to let, you know, it's like if you give a mouse a cookie. Horror is mm-hmm. a nightclub into which many may enter and only few choose to stay. What? So I think like this movie can get admittance for long enough to have a talk about the horror elements, but not have to be a top to bottom horror movie, I guess is. Indiana uh, Jones and the Last Crusade. That skeleton's pretty scary. Are we allowing that movie in the club? See, this is where things get difficult, right? Because to a kid, that might be the scariest thing they can imagine. It was when I was a kid. That's Green Goblin saying. and Spider-Man 1 was the scariest thing. So we let it in the club, but we don't talk about it. We say, oh, thank you for consideration, but this club is not for you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Yes. The Big Bang Theory is a comedy, yes? I've never well, laughed at it once in my entire life. Yeah. But it's a comedy to some people. I think it's got to be, to me, here's how I define it. Because Chelsea would has say to be, this is a horror movie. Yeah, there has to be like a majority. <laughs> Chelsea would a, say that's a comedy. Like a majority of a certain feeling that you have during the movie watching experience. If we had had like almost like this color coordinated scale of like, when I feel uh, scared, it goes green. Or when I feel like romance, all vibes, it goes red. Like, right. It feels like whatever the majority ends up being at the end of that, you know, bar for you, then that's probably the movie for you. But it is interesting what the movie business chooses to categorize you know genre they call this a crime it didn't even say horror on imdb for this movie it's called a crime drama thriller sure which is probably how i would explain it to somebody who had never seen it but i would certainly warn them if i felt they needed it hey this this dips its toes into horror pretty thoroughly at some certain points and i think that maybe there is the 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 conversation of genre is so and i'm i'm not being dismissive it is so uninteresting to me because it just doesn't matter to me. It's um, super subjective, right? I'm not really I'm a saying. horror boy. I don't really watch a lot of what we would consider horror movies. But like of the ones we've watched for this series, like I would say I would think of two of them as horror movies. And sure. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just so it's so amorphous. It's not as clear cut as like that's clearly sci fi. That's I, clearly romance. I rewatched Annihilation mm-hmm. last week. It is scarier yeah. than any of the movies we, to me, it is scarier than anything we have watched for this series. And yeah. it's not even classified as horror. Yeah. So like, it's just it's so, like a cosmic horror kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just so, um, it, that, that's why like genre conversations I think are useful on a broad scale. And then at the, at the, um, like micro scale, it becomes incredibly uninteresting to try and define by genre. Um, and, and I think of it, you, y'all know, I love a good food metaphor. I think of it like barbecue pizza where it's like, it's called barbecue pizza. Cause it's in the shape of pizza, but it, that's really all it, you know, it, it starts to go in some different directions. And if you break it down and you start to go, well, there's no, there's no marinara and there's no, you know, whatever mozzarella and there's no Parmesan and there's no pepperoni. Like you can start to break it down and say these things, but really all I need to know is it's a barbecue pizza. And then I can worry about everything else at a smaller level without those yeah. labels. Um, and I really I f- want some barbecue pizza right now. Yeah, who doesn't? But I feel that way about movies a lot of times, particularly intensely genre specific genres. So like comedy, horror, like these things are useful on a broad scale. But once you get down, I don't want to break down why something's funny or scary. If it's scary, let it be scary. If it's funny, let it be funny. Um, and so I think that's why I'm so glad we're including this in our horror discussion, because I think this is a scary movie for a lot of people. And I, and I think it's good to like I would rather I would rather include a movie like this and be able to talk about its merits when it comes to horror than include a straight up and down horror movie that's not as good maybe 
You know what Listeners, I mean? Listeners, l- yeah. let us know what you think. That's, yeah, I would that's love really interesting. Some input on this. Uh, go ahead and let us know what you think. Comment on our Instagram post about this movie, whether you think it's a horror or a thriller. I mean, I guess if you think it's a comedy, you could write that yeah. too. Although we if will you're report just you to the FBI the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Yeah, I think of I think of like the storage facility. That whole thing is just dripping in horror to me. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking we talked about The Fugitive already, and that's considered a crime thriller, sure, right? Yeah. It's 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 checking two of the boxes that IMDb considers this movie to be. There's something about uh seeing a gruesome scene or having some kind of violence that is the result of like an accident or unintentional, like a wreck uh or a plane crash or something like that. That is a thriller, but there's something gruesome about the thriller of Sons of the Lambs that leans it towards horror to me. It's it's one thing to see somebody's, uh, like a bone sticking through somebody's leg because they just fell wrong. Right, yeah. It's another thing to watch somebody eat somebody's face and wear it as a mask. Yeah. yeah. That so. feels horror to me. To fashion someone that you've just killed and gutted in a way that makes them look like an angel mm-hmm. and tie them up, mm-hmm. that's kind of horror. Seeing a decomposing body and then pulling a bug out of its throat. yeah. That's kind of horror to me. Living in a well for about a week and then lotioning up and getting your skin ready for me to go ahead and make it into a dress. Pretty horrible. You know, so it's like, I think there's strong arguments for it to be horror. Um, But yeah, either way, I also kind of love that it gets to be somewhat open to interpretation for people. I think that's fun. Yeah. But Uh, yeah, plenty of things to keep my poor wife from (laughs) sleepy time. The tease that I was talking about before we went to shout announcements, before Mm -hmm. Jordan put us in that van down by the river, uh, (laughs) is, Carter, you might know the answer to this because this is your favorite movie. Why is his name Hannibal? That to me feels like a really weird, and this is not for the movie. This is for the novels, I guess. A weird creative choice. Like I get that Hannibal is this like, sinister name with historic implications right but also like it feels very firmly like b-movie pulp 50s horror to be like hannibal the cannibal you know what i mean it's like just yeah kind of it was it was an alley-oop a little bit too it was it's cheesy to me like and i know that like there's the the famous tweet that's like boy i'm glad dr Lecter wasn't in prison for vehicular manslaughter because they would have had to make his name vehicular hand slaughter <laughs> Yeah, I think so. From what I had heard, and uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this was the writer's intention. He does, uh, the writer of the books does seem to be very interested in names and their meaning. You know, you get like Chilton yeah. and Starling and James Gum. You know, these kind of things. Dime that phonetically, James <laughs> kind of phonetically Dime sound gum. like the roles that they play. Yeah. So it's like, yes, this is convenient that it rhymes with cannibal and that is a really easy way for repetition and make us remember his name forever. But also like, I think there was some influence of, um, the general, Mm -hmm. like the army general. That was like this, one of the considered one of the greatest strategists in history that lends itself to someone who kind of knows everything. Yeah. Um, and knows the right moves to make. So, I want it to be more about that than the fact that it rhymes with cannibal. So that's going to be know. my super dump. It's flimsy. Oh. I understand it's flimsy. But like if we want a name of somebody that knows everything, let's name him Rasputin or something like that. Like Dr. Rasputin Lecter. You know what I mean? But Hann- yeah. Hannibal the Cannibal is like a little bit like P.T. Barnum had him in his circus, I think. Yeah. But you can't really be in a, a like a maximum security prison for farting too much, you know. Rasputin keep Ras- tootin'. Like what Rasputin are you going to say? Rasputin keep tootin'. Exactly. He keep tootin'. Rasputin point, yeah. keep tootin'. That's <laughs> exactly point. what I'd say. Um, but fava beans makes more sense now. <laughs> you know, it. the thing about Hannibal the Cannibal, it is, I chalk it up to, it's dorky. And then I just sort of move past it for me. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, I don't, it, I don't it, think Doge is, it's a, yeah, it no, kept totally. me from enjoying the movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. God, I'll never watch this again for the rhyme. No, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, I hear it, and every time I hear it, I'm like, Bleh. and then I just kind of let it go. And yeah. maybe, maybe it's because I want to live in a world where people's nicknames are that easy. I, I like nicknames, and so maybe I want to live in a world where everybody's nickname is just super easy and within reach like that. But that's why I want you guys to start calling me Hodcaster. Hmm. Hodcaster. Yeah, I can do that. I was gonna start calling <laughs> you Dash Pizza, but. Do you have any more mean stuff you want to say? Just giving you space. I literally said in my brain, I'm not talking first. (laughs) Hey, 
Um, I would love to talk about my super pump, please. Go ahead. Um, from the moment that Jame Gum opens the door to see Clarice standing, I can't stop laughing at Jame Gum. Jame Gum. <laughs> Jame Gum. Um, from the moment that that door opens and we see Clarice standing there, uh, basically through the end of the movie. But I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna keep it to the house specifically. Everything that happens inside that house, um. It's just the culmination. That's my super pump. It's the culmination of what we've been building to this whole movie. Clarice is um, a little over her head. She is typically just like smaller in stature than the people she's having to deal with. Um, she's not incredibly experienced. And we know from earlier in the movie that her her weak spot is checking corners, which is all this house is. Um, and then we get to... Um, she sees the moth. That's all great. But the night vision, just yep. the thought of terrifying someone can see you and you can't see them and you hear the breath and the hand that reaches out to almost grab her. And like, is it a little over the top? Maybe. Yeah. Why wouldn't he just do something to her? He's crazy. He's a psychopath. Who knows? It's so good. And my heart is pounding the whole time I'm watching it. Every time I watch it, it is. That is that is when the movie peaks horror to me. Yeah, the and night vision yeah. is the scariest part for sure. Yes, and it's also just when this movie is at its peak for me. Like it, this is just the like I said, it's sort of the culmination of all the building blocks that I feel that we have been given up to this point. I just love it. I think this whole sequence is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's either I think it's happening just before this. Hannibal's gotten away before we get all of this scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my super dump is the comical amount of officers that are (laughs) it's like yeah like it's one thing to be like okay let's make it look like the world is scared of him you know he needs quite the 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 group around him but this was like 50 like it was so yeah and they're all like moving as a unit which is part of their job but yeah i just think the uh it was a little over the top on the amount of people that were yeah Oh, and Senator Tommy's bill. You know, it's like love the it's suit. Just, oh, that's amazing. Like I'm totally down. Like I'm okay with the crowd there. Sure. Like the senator and her representatives, and then the people walking around. Chilton, we need to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, totally. we probably don't want to because he's disgusting. I hate him. Yeah, he's the worst. He's awful. He's awful. I hate uh, him. And you definitely want to hate him, and you do. Well, and but, I think yeah, my my super and, and Hannibal want to hate him. He does hate him. The number of times him and Jaime Gum this movie that. The number of times in this movie that a seemingly, or let me rephrase this, what should be a totally innocent and incident-free interaction um, between Clarice and someone else turns at at minimum flirtatious against her will, if not outright predatory and creepy. I mean, it's got to happen four or five times throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Um, and like, well, you start to, you start to, I love that. I don't love that. In, in, in context, sure. but you start to uh, want her to have scenes with Hannibal because he a lot of times will like be more protective of her and respectful I to her. I completely agree. And when he's pushing her buttons, it's it's because it's just for for game, which yeah, is he's, awful. He's sick. Equally but- as awful. But you're like, man, I think this uh, criminal mastermind is respecting her more than her colleagues. Yep. And I think that's supposed to be there. Yep. And it, it is so unique. Uh, the The vibe overall of this movie is unlike anything else. Like yeah. the the relationship between Clarice and yeah, I I don't get romance from it necessarily at all. Um, but for me, it is just the 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 weird mutual respect, admiration. It's this like like non zero sum. Like they both are gaining professionally, quote unquote. And personally from their interactions with each other. Yep. I mean, if his profession is eating people, but I just mean like they're <laughs> right. both, they both have something to gain both on a like emotional level and on a like tangible level. Yeah. And it it's just really like almost to the point where you feel like she feels bad lying to this psychopath about a fake deal. Yeah. Right. Like when she comes to him and is like, I'm sorry. That feels. I think you do start to pity him. Yeah, like until until he until he breaks out and eats people. Sure, yeah. But you do start to pity him when he's like, (laughs) "Oh man, he's been in that room for eight years." Yeah, you know. 
Because you don't see that he's a oh, monster. I'm sorry. He just eats a couple people and now he can't see sunlight anymore. Oh, okay. So if every time I eat people, I mm, so I, I should be in a room for jail. eight years. I guess you're forgetting about my constitutional right to free speech. Look, guys, <laughs> if munching on people is a crime, then lock me up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I, I, in talking about the uniqueness of this film and especially the role of Hannibal Lecter. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a time that just control has been more terrifying mm. and the control that Hannibal has in this entire thing. Mm-hmm. I've curated a list with this being my favorite movie ever. I have for you very quickly uh, a list of of the top five, ranked five to one, uh, my favorite moments of Hannibal's control for the movie for me. Can I share these with yeah, you? please. I thought you were going to make us guess. No. Number five is... Uh, the allusion to like he literally his heartbeat never gets over 85. Yep. Uh, we talk about that. And then if you can hear one of the uh, one of the texts in the uh, ambulance when they're reading his vitals is saying it's at 84 when he has that guy's skin on his face. Uh, number four for me is Anthony Hopkins himself literally being in control and, and kind of uh, getting the reaction he wants out of Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. not necessarily out of Clarice Starling, mm-hmm. but the fact that we, the very first time that they're talking, he does a Southern accent back to her. And that was never a part of the plan, but it literally offends her and kind of helps create uh, one of the better scenes in my super pump of the movie. Number three, when he's talking, well, uh, number three, I, I'll go ahead and move this one down because it's it's a little more well-known, but he's just on screen over 24 minutes and he gets best actor which is the second shortest time ever uh, for someone to win Best Actor, that means there's complete control. It feels like Lecter is in every frame, mm-hmm. um, but he's hardly there. Uh, number two, the Fava Beans and Chianti uh, line is uh, he's letting Clarice know he's not taking his medication. Have you heard about that? Yeah. So yeah, the, the two things that it asks of you when taking that medication, that, that's almost not necessarily, not necessarily sedating, but something that's pretty common for psychopaths to kind of keep them at, at a little more even keel uh, is you can't have it with specifically like a red wine or like this specific bean. And mm-hmm. so he's saying when he's saying I, I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice canty and liver as well. Like you can't have those things and take that medication. Wow. He's saying, by the way, I'm finding a way not to take it last. So the, the drawing of Florence, did you read about this? No. Mm-mm. The drawing of Florence that he has of the Duomo, which is fun because I've been to Florence and seen that Duomo, uh, that viewpoint, that angle is from a balcony at the, at the Belvedere Hotel in Florence, Italy. So the very first scene we have with Hannibal, he is telling us where James Gum lives. In the movie, he lives in Belvedere, Ohio. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> so by giving us the angle of that, right, which he's... He just is throwing stuff out there knowing no one will bite, but he's doing it for his own joy. But I I think it's the same with all of his anagrams and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. Just being in control. uh, There's a terror there. We kind of get that in American Psycho with Christian Bale's character, but he eventually loses it. Sure. But there's something about the terror of knowing that that he... It doesn't feel like you'll ever catch him. Well, and even again. even when he's he is so in control that even when he is revealing things about himself, it feels like when you watch a cat like a lion play with a mouse. Like it's like, oh, he, right. here's this anagram, and I guess if you can figure it out, I'll reward you with a little more info. But he doesn't really seem to care if they ever catch this dude. Like yeah, he right. is a sociopath, a psychopath, even. Like he's just yeah. not. I don't know. It's it's brilliant. As much as they wouldn't, as much as they wouldn't catch Buffalo Bill without. Lecter, they also wouldn't catch him without Clarice right. because of his respect for her. That's right. the only reason he's actually telling them what's going That's on. That's good. And she had to be smart enough to figure it out, but good. How many of did you want to take a bite of that FBI cake? I don't know why that cake always looks so good to me. <laughs> it does look really it good. It looks, to me, it looks like the middle of it is made of Rice Krispies or cereal or something. I'm in. So I want to eat I'm that in. for sure. Um, it is, unfortunately, time to rate this movie. Um, As we go <laughs> using the has it been everything you wanted, Carter? Finally talking about this movie. It on the podcast? I mean, everything I wanted would be like a special, a separate podcast all about. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do it in an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it, we're going to use science, the same science that uh, well, that so many of the forensic agents were studying and using to catch 
old Buffalo Bill. And uh, we're going to use the Scientific Cinema Scale, a proprietary technology owned and operated exclusively by Two Chunks LLC. And uh, it is as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. The next best thing, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God has forsaken us. I will go first because, and let's, Carter, I'll let you pick. Do you want to go first or last? What feels more ripe for you? Uh, middle. Middle. Okay, I'll go first then. Oh, Doge, you wanted to go first. I'm feeling I'll buy gentleman. the poster. Yeah, there it is. Uh, I buy the poster. I've already said everything. What's funny is I've said why I buy this poster in movies that have nothing to <laughs> right, do with science. Exactly. Yeah. Right. On recording. So I the the listener doesn't need to hear it anymore. I buy the poster. Um, I am actually rent no, I'm just kidding. I'm buying the poster for this. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's perfect. Um really it's it is. So, it's so good. It's so it, good. It is a top five of all time movie mm. for me. Wow. Um I love this movie desperately um very excited that we got to talk about it very excited that it got to close out our chunktober series which i still cannot believe is at its end um time is meaningless everything is moving and on fire speaking of things that are on fire we're gonna be watching some decoms next week and my heart is on fire with love for my childhood culture so I'm genuinely so pumped about that. I am too. Please tune in, uh, watch the decoms that we talk about and then listen to us talk about them. And let's all pretend it's the late nineties and we're excited to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And if you are not a Patreon and you're like, man, I wish there was like one more horror movie or maybe one more vote I could get, uh, on this poll of decoms. I have good news for $3 a month. We have cabin in the woods from this month. Lots of other bonus episodes, and you get to vote twice in the DCOM If you hear poll. nothing else, we can be bought for $3 oh, a month. Oh, big time. Oh, big time. Uh, something else I think is worth noting that we haven't mentioned yet about this DCOM series is... It's Disney. As much as, I, as much as I know you would enjoy the three of us just talking about how awesome and nostalgic all of these were, it's going to be interesting because I did not watch any of these movies until about two years ago. I did not have Disney as a kid. And so I will not have that same that same experience. So perhaps we'll have uh, some spice in the House of Mouse. Also, oh, there's certainly. just some real stinkers. Also, <laughs> oh, there's certainly. just some real real stinkers out there. Carter, I'm looking at your glasses, and they're the only ones that aren't rose colored when we're talking about these movies. So, right, they're somehow both not rose colored, nor are they half full. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, none of these decom movies will mean as much to me as Phantom Menace. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, man. I'm no. holding out hope that you find a movie you like better than Silence of the Lambs. In the DCOM series. Yeah. I bet we do. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think that's probably pretty realistic. Hey, two. I mean, unless there's one that they, yeah, uh, inline skating, but that seems weird. <laughs> I don't know. Can't, would they make one? They're too afraid. They're too afraid. Don't tempt me. To end today's episode, I would like for each of us to say our name and say what the title of Silence of the Lambs would be if it was a Disney Channel original movie. I've got it. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan, the Wonders one, and uh, it would be called Camp Rock 3 colon Dr. Munch. (laughs) Oh, no. Where Demi Lovato would find out that her character from the other Camp Rock movies that I genuinely have never seen except for part of the first one is a distant relative of Clarice Starling or something I like think that. she plays Camp Rock. I think that's she her. She is Camp Rock. She's Camp Rock, yeah. And the camp is the friends she made along the way or something like that. Exactly. I'm Doge and coming this Friday to Disney Channel, <laughs> a new Disney Channel original movie entitled Clarice Figures It Out! Exclamation point. Clarice. And the I in Clarice is dotted with a heart. And she figures it out because she's always writing in her journal. Her journal, she, yeah. She takes notes that nobody else takes. Her journal has a lock with a key on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is tough. I don't even know. Like, I don't have the ingredients to even know how to do this. Hold up. Let me look up. We've asked you to cook a meal you've eaten one time. Wait for it. You're a talented enough chef. You can do this. And I'm Carter. And mine is called Migs. <laughs> Inmate of cell 2B. 
sorry, Migs colon, inmate of cell 2B. Cell 2B or cell not 2B? Cell that is 2B the question. dot 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 continued question mark? Exclamation point. Yeah, Carter, you're warning that that wasn't going to be good. You nailed it. <laughs> you were I right. nailed what it. What an accurate forecast. One for one. Right, and uh, we're done. We're out. We're done. The podcast is over. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.